I'm Howard Brown, the senior pastor at Christ Central Church. And um, as you see, it's an Easter homily, which means I don't preach as long. Um, Let me finish reading um, part of that passage in Luke. Um, After Jesus breaks bread and they recognize him, it says this, beginning in verse 36, while they were still talking about this, Jesus appearing to them as they were walking on the road and appearing and them recognizing him when they broke bread, when they had like the Lord's Supper. Um, While they're still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And they were startled and frightened, thinking they had seen a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? Why Why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement. He asked them, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that it was written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures And he told them, this is what is written, that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father's promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. This is the word of God. In this closing narrative of the Gospel of Luke, we find the disciples of Jesus sad, disillusioned, depressed, in despair for good reason. Their Lord and Savior has been crucified. And it is safe to say that they are either scattering or hiding out together. But what is curious to me in all of this is what it reveals about the very religion of Jesus without the living presence of Jesus. That it in and of itself is simply not enough. That it is not enough to bring light and uncertainty, not enough to bring confidence in their faith, not enough to for them to go out and challenge and seek change in the world that their Lord begun and led them in. It just was not enough without Jesus being present. That at his death, remember now, this that, that most of this book, that the, the other chapters, we're in chapter 24 here in Luke, that, that 23 other chapters, or 22 at least, that, that this book was about them walking and learning with Jesus. That without this very last chapter, all of the rest of this book and all that they learned was not enough. They had walked with Jesus for three years. Men, I mean, yes, Billy Graham's a great preacher, but they had Jesus as their preacher. Nobody's more relevant and down to earth and filled with illustrations than the one who made the earth, right? And, and these disciples had gone to Sunday school like many of y'all. They, they went with grandma and, and got dropped off by their parents. They knew the stories of Noah and Abraham and the Ten Commandments. They even knew and learned how to be very good people. But there they were in all of their knowledge, sad, discouraged, and disillusioned. 
Let me let y'all know this, that this, that the Bible knowledge and all the ologies that come with it in and of themselves are not enough to give you hope you need to have in order to walk where and how you should in this life. It's just not enough. And it's interesting that they admit as they walk with Jesus, not knowing who he is, to, to hearing the eyewitness testimonies of the women who had gone to the tomb and claimed to see an angel who declared Christ alive, and yet that was not enough for them to believe and have hope and not be sad. Because you know how testimonies can be. We've had some awesome ones this morning. But I know where some of your hearts went. I know where some of our hearts can go when people share their stories, just like these women did. You know, these testimonies can be all crazy and emotional and sappy and over-happy. And some of us are probably thinking it's some misinterpreted spiritual experience that, that was just good luck or chance. You know those people who had something dramatic happen in their lives, money showing up in the mailbox and all that. They got to share their story and expect for us to be moved. And some of us think, man, please, that's just drama. All over again. Because it is in, and it's that way because in and of itself, a testimony, a story of something awesome happening in and of itself is not enough. Because it can lead us like it may have them that day to despise all the crying and sobbing and people who believe and praise God and want to talk about the good things. You know, sometimes when folk come around like that, you just want to mug them in the face, right? Chop them in a larynx, right? And hope something bad happens to them or that they can finally get their stuff together so they can stop being the made-for-TV movie on everything going bad. Man, it's easy to harden up and need proof of everyone's Jesus purchase for you to validate it as something you will let your heart connect to or buy into because your firewall for the messy and mysterious is on high and nothing and nobody dirty with all the earth and sweat and blood and tears gets through to you. Even Jesus' sad death and suffering story goes to junk mail for you first emotionally. Because it's too Jesus sweet or too Christ sour. And you think, no way that testimony, even for the disciples like some of you, is not enough to sustain you, sustain you from the sadness that will come. And then think about this. Jesus explains to them in their sorrow. Remember, they don't know who he is, that, that, that he had to die and suffer for liberation and hope for people. And what do we find out? That that even that justice and mercy thing and stuff he died on the cross was pretty good, but not enough. It was not enough that Jesus pulled a Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. or William Wallace, right? That he fought for justice and, and he invented mercy ministry. And since he came as God in the flesh to our world, you know, people going to Somalia or some poor South American country don't have nothing on what he did. God left heaven and came to earth in the flesh. He was the inner city ministry to the worst person. Complete with the kinds of things we Christians like to brag about when we do our hippie liberal Jesus Christianity thing. You know, I do it too to make myself feel good, right? These disciples have stories to tell for the rest of their and our lives at the dinner table. They can be the center of attention at all the church or conscious community events. They, they could prove to themselves that they are 
incarnational with their stuff. They can act haughty around the big ivory tower church folks who go from nice suburban homes, probably in a big suburban, to their big suburban church, right? Jesus was in many ways the anti-church, help the poor, pierced and tattooed, peeled at the establishing power to the people, authentic, godly guy. And he took them. And us, as we read through the other 23 chapters, on this mission trip, complete with pictures and stories and passion and and hope and Christian romantic epic ministry stuff to last a lifetime. But there they were. Sad. Still not enough. But as some of you know, I know your stories. Living in the hood, going overseas, being with those poor and inner city folk y'all talk about, being passionate about your love and peace and justice, communicated, or, or you know, you, you either do it through song or some type of art or, or some sort of profession, telling your story like some sort of missional love the world, pseudo bono, bono, sorry. We are the world, hippie fight, the power, Christian Indiana Jones stuff. That stuff will eventually overwhelm you and burn you out. And I've seen it possibly even leave you depressed and disillusioned with Christianity. It amazes me how many mercy and justice folk, and, you know, we want to help the world and change Charlotte and be with the poor and all this kind of stuff. They can't connect with the church. How did that happen? Because they're disillusioned with the Christianity that obviously has its Lord and Savior Jesus absent from it. That all the urban justice mercy trips like with these disciples at Easter morning is not enough. And speaking of community, it was not enough that he walked with them. Man, we love community, don't we? Love to drop that word. I mean, he walked with them for three or so years and and then he walked with them for two hours on this road to Emmaus. Man, you want to talk about community? I mean, Jesus with his disciples, I imagine, was one of those high school, college friendship things, you know, that could have as a theme song, friends of friends forever, you know. You all sit around and cry at graduation. People you'd even hang around with good. Oh, I miss you. You know better. Those folk you look it up on Facebook just to see if they look as good as you. I mean, imagine they probably sat around the fire with the Lord and had those deep talks into the night. I mean, you could go deep with Jesus. Jesus, before the world was created, what was going on? You know, and Jesus probably answered, my friend, why is your heart so bothered that you need to know that? You know, it could go into the night. Man, this was the real J. Crew. That's what we called a little prayer group and called the Jesus Crew, right? Corny, I know, but it was community. (laughs) Y'all laughing, but y'all love that community stuff. You know, they had this, we share deep and I am known and I can just be myself and nobody knows me like them, even my biological family relationship. Man, with Jesus, they had the fraternity for eternity, right? (laughs) Now, cue the Michael W. Smith song, right? Is it boys and men I hear? 
although we've come right because all of that community was not enough and the good times of community would not have sustained them any further they would have disbanded because y'all know how eventually <laughs> all that love can break down and disappoint and become addictive and self-centered and eventually get stale and become burdensome and worksome. I'm burned out from community and run out of steam or even fake or wait until there's confrontation on something, right? Or disagreement or someone gets married and you didn't or someone you like likes somebody else. Man, that Easter morning, Fear and hopelessness held them in community and that people is not enough to give us hope this Easter morning. And even the spiritual thing was not enough, right? I mean, even that was not enough for them that Easter morning because when Jesus did show up in glorified form, the Bible says he broke the bread and they recognized him and then... You know, he started doing some stuff and they were like, whoa, you know, they get loopy. They said they were, they couldn't believe because of joy and amazement, right? They get too spiritual to be in reality. When he reveals himself in the flesh, looking all ghostly and, and velvety, the Bible says, you know, you can see like the Turner movie redone and Jay's got the glow around his head, you know, looking all that way that they get scared of his intimate glory. And then when convinced that it was him, says that they get so caught up in joy and excitement, they don't even believe. In other words, they are on a spiritual manic trip. They're caught up in the ethereal. It's Jesus. You know, they floating. They're in a champagne supernova. They, they, they riding the Jesus yellow submarine, right? Mama say, Mama say, Mimakusa means something to them. <laughs> you ever wonder what it'd be like if Jesus came in glorified form? Man, some of y'all would fall on the ground and bark like a dog. You wouldn't know what to do with yourself. I want to see Jesus. Are you sure? The Lord starts showing up the stuff. We in trouble. Some of us, like these disciples, are so spiritual. We're trapped dealing with life in the matrix, in Narnia, or the inner earth somewhere, right? On Facebook, there's a pastor said, use no Narnia illustrations this Sunday, please. But you start talking about spirituality. Not so much about Jesus, but spirituality. Why are you coming to church? I want my spirituality to get in place. And for the Christian folk, here's the way you do it. I prayed about it. You know, with the whisper, I prayed about it. (laughs) But you in sin. But God's given me a peace about it. (laughs) You know, you in one of them paintings in Italy over there, you know, you just kind of Right? You know, you on your mountaintop, your heavenly bliss on earth stuff, talking in ethereal code about forgiveness and freedom with the whispery voice. Let me tell you, 
in a resurrected, bodily resurrected, uninformed encounter with Jesus, spirituality becomes a recreational drug and not a prescription for real redemption and hope. Spirituality can quickly become an escape and can even make you hate real life. And hate real struggle or, right, make you go all depressed or or make you able to live oblivious to how you're hurting others and yourself or how crazy you might be because what is really going on doesn't matter to you. Spirituality is not enough. Why not enough in all the disciples experienced that the disciples experience in good Bible teaching, all the testimonies, all the mission trips, all the community, all the spirituality, all of this religion. Because they, like many of us, think we can live out a faith as if our Lord was dead. We think we can make our faith live on a past Lord, on, as they described, a prophet, a good teacher, someone with some good ideas about the Bible and community and spirituality. We think we can live our faith. And when we realize that our faith, we're out there in our faith and there is no Lord presence, sadness and disillusionment and, you know, ethereal spirituality, all heavenly and no earthly good becomes the way we live. And let me tell you, in the end, it's sad. See if I should share this. This past year, August 9th, last year, my mom died. Right? I was scared to death. I got a phone call. I was at the Nota School of Arts play. It's my little testimony time now. And uh, I just remember, hey, it looks like it's going rough. She might not make it. And I just remember thinking, boy, maybe I should go home. No, it'll be all right. Let me just close my eyes, get into the play, and forget about it. Scared. Don't want to have to face death. I remember calling a bunch of times, is everything okay now? Nope, doesn't look okay. I remember calling my dad back and saying, hey, dad, you know, just kind of reasoning through it. You know, um, you know, I'm praying, I'm doing all the good. Daddy, you know are you sure I should come home? And he says, Howard, I'm not going to tell you again. You should come. I just remember how I just waited and waited and waited. I didn't want to face that, man. I didn't want to have to deal with that. And I, and, and to this day, it, it's such a terrible situation. And because I remember I was about mm, 70, 60 miles outside of Charleston. My dad called and he said, don't rush. She's gone. And I remember going and, you know, not being able to see her before she passed away because I waited so long. And then I thought, you know, the next day when, I don't know, all the days got mixed together. And then I went to the funeral home and there she was, right? And it's a weird situation. 
got all the music playing in the background. It's all nice in a kind of freaky, weird way. And you, you know, I'm touching the body and something ain't right. You know, it made me tense up, not tear up, not be hopeful. Man, I even preached the funeral. Did a good job too, right? That wasn't necessarily a good thing. And I remember thinking, I've been to seminary. I know the word. I've been on missions. I've done funerals. I've done it all. I've seen supernatural spiritual things happen. But at that moment, the only thing that could make my faith live in the wake of such personal death was that it would be real that Jesus lived because I needed a real living Jesus to make the faith that I profess and do as a profession live. I balked, y'all. I bumbled. I fumbled. I hardened up in the wake of sadness, death. I needed the living Lord to make it right. You know, I I think about it. I, I needed to believe that all that church stuff at that moment was real and alive. And it meant that my mom, the one who led me to the Lord, all that stuff would not be in vain. That sadness and death and cancer would not make all the Bible scripture reading and mission and singing mean nothing. You and I come with all sorts of sadness. With all sorts of experiences that our faith, or the control we have over our faith, it's failed us. What's funny is that these disciples, these first original Christians like me and you, in the wake of death, were bumbling and stumbling to make sense of their world at that point, to make sense of the Bible, to make sense of the testimonies, to make sense of Jesus' death, to to make sense of his civil rights for human race mission, to make sense of the spirituality experience, and they could not do it on their own. But when the resurrected Jesus shows up in each and every case, it changes everything. And herein is the glory of the resurrection. We can't make it work. We can't find or read or talk about or commune our way to hope and life. It and we are just not enough. 
to handle this world's despair. And our brokenness, our religion without the living Lord fails us in our sadness and our despair. But take hope that you and I can come today and every day with confidence and joy and hope and actually hear the word, to hear the testimonies, to experience the worship, to yes, like you heard tonight, seek out community, to yes, in our glorious songs, to lift your hands, to find and know a little heaven on and for our earth because contrary to what you might feel or believe, like the disciples that morning, death and sadness and despair, it is not you who seeks him. Listen to this story. They're walking, they're hiding, they're running. But because he's indeed risen, it is the Lord Jesus who is actively speaking to and touching and seeking you out. What's the, I mean, what's the obvious testimony of the Lord being alive? You are here. And you aren't here because you are here. You are here because the Lord arose and he lives for real. And he brought you here. That is the story of Christianity. We and all we can drum up is dead and dangerous and not enough sustain us. But praise be to God. It doesn't have to be. Because he is alive. He is alive in your sadness, in your failures, and in your bumbling. And I can assure you, he can find you. And he can touch you. And he can leave you, heal you and love you. While all else is not enough. The risen Lord is enough. And more than enough. He is alive in your sadness. He is alive in your disillusionment. And he is alive to come and seek and save and change us. He is alive. Let us pray. Lord, There's so much to be sad about. Much to be disillusioned about. You defeated sin and death and disease and war and conflict and fear and abuse and abandonment and divorce and loneliness and racism and sexism, and any other isms that may have bothered us. Lord, you have defeated them all so that we can look with hope to a message that says clearly that you've called sinners out of the depths of misery.
to be yours. To be called to be transformed and one day to be raised from the dead and live forever in joy and peace for all eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.